For decades, America has struggled to combat the harms of drug use, but the harms have increased and the fight is endless because we've been wrong. What if we changed our drug policies to actually decrease the harms of drug use and increase thriving for all of us? Our criminal approach to drugs had a beginning and it will have an end. Join us on the journey to end it for good. Welcome to the End It For Good podcast. I'm Christina Dent, along with my co-host and producer, Mike Madison. If you haven't connected with us on Facebook yet, we are at End It For Good MS. If you're interested in joining us for an in-person event in Mississippi, you can head to enditforgood.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and sign up for our newsletter. That's how you can find out where and when uh, our book discussions will be and any other in-person events that we have. We host them throughout the year in different cities around Mississippi, and we'd love for you to join us for um, a free dinner, and we'll even send you a free book of what we are discussing if you will read it and come and engage with us on it in person. You don't have to agree with us. There's a lot of people who come that aren't sure where they are or have already decided they don't agree. That's okay. As long as people are open to um, coming and engaging in respectful ways, you are welcome. So, Mike, it's been a while since we've done an episode without a guest. Right, right. Well, you've had a good lineup, so we're happy to hear the ones you've done. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So what I want to do today is take a look at some of the articles that I've seen floating around social media that I think a lot of conservative people are reading and delve into the arguments that they make and then give our thoughts on those arguments, where we agree, where we disagree. But first, I want to go back up a little bit and revisit a few of the things from a couple of our past episodes that I've been thinking on since those um, episodes have aired. So when we interviewed um, Liz Evans, her whole episode was on kind of who are the people behind this label that we have of typical addict. So I often hear from people who say, you know, well, my family member, you know, is struggling with um, XYZ addiction, but they're not, a, I mean, they're not a typical addict. You know, they're, you know, this, of course, we think about the people we love as not typical addicts. Right. But the point I wanted to make with that is really. That's because so people we, see their relatives as human beings. Right. Yeah. Not statistics, not faceless, not a just a, a, a criminal charge or something. They yeah. actually eat breakfast with them and see that they're actually human right. beings. Yeah. Or see them just on the side of the, the street if they're homeless. Right. Um, and kind of easy to sort of label and write off. So the the thing that struck me the most about that episode was how we kind of have the way that people talk about typical addicts is that, you know, the people we love and everybody else is not a typical addict. But the the insinuation with that is that the typical addict is who all of these policies are really made for, not, you know, the person who is my loved one. But when you think about what Liz, what her experience over decades has been with that, with the people who have been labeled typical addicts, it is that they've been the most harmed, the most traumatized, the most kicked to the curb. The people who really, if we had seen them in their childhood, we would often have just broken hearts right. with great compassion for the harm that they're suffering. And yet that's the group that we still kind of have this idea that, well, they're the ones that need the harsh penalties. Um, and Liz's experience is actually they are the ones who are most vulnerable. They've been most harmed. They most need um, the ability to be drawn back into a life that is something that they can be present for and something that where they can be protected. And um, which is, you know, not to say that people don't do terrible things, but that this this idea that we have of this sort of typical addict um, 
is just so radically different from what is actually going on for many of the people whose lives we see as most visibly broken. Well, it's very easy to, you know, when you when you cast a whole group of people in this really bad light, it makes it very easy to ignore them because they're not worth your time, because they're throwaway people, because they're criminals, because they're whatever. If you look into the details, it makes it much more uncomfortable and harder to rationalize mm-hmm. our current approach when you realize the details and the history of these people's lives. It's just it's just much easier just to big, big broad blanket label and yeah. then you can just cast them aside and we don't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I've been thinking about um, since uh, Dr. Singer's episodes is um, he had so much great information. One of the things I wanted to be sure that got highlighted out of that was 75% of the people that died of opioid overdoses in 2017, which is the last year that we have numbers for, 75% of them had heroin or unregulated fentanyl in their systems, Yeah, which is not the story that mainstream media is telling it's telling a story of prescriptions of out of control doctors and he was talking about that but i think that statistic of wait a second if you actually look into the cdc's numbers of what people are actually dying from a very small portion of them are dying from actual drugs that they were prescribed by a doctor that they're using medically they're dying from unregulated drugs that and the more that we crack down on prescriptions, the more people yeah. are dying right. because they're going to the street where you're like ten times more likely. Like yeah. literally, that's not just a made up thing. It's ten times. You're ten times more likely to die from drugs on the street than you are, you know, from a regulated substance where you know um what you're talking about. Yeah. Or what you're you know, what you're taking. So um that's just amazing. Got to think about that when you hear all these things on the on the news about the opioid epidemic. We are in a street drug epidemic. We are not in a prescription right epidemic. So on to the um articles that we want to cover today. Um the first one I'm not actually going to um really go into. I really want to just point out what we are and aren't talking about and what the author of the article is and is not talking about. So this one um, is the article was written by Jeff Lassine. I hope I'm saying his name right. He's a pastor in Portland, Oregon. Um, The article was published by Desiring God, which is a um, highly respected Christian um, organization. I love what they do. The article is called Marijuana to the Glory of God? Question mark. what I wanted to point out about the article is this whole article is dealing with whether or not um, Christians should or shouldn't recreationally use marijuana. So I think what people, if they're not careful, can do is take his um, conclusion at the end. When I appreciate it, he said, when you're looking at issues like this, you have got to have nuanced um Understandings that you can't just blanketly say, well, you know, X, Y, Z, this is an easy thing to do. It's not. It's very nuanced. Um, his conclusion is that he thinks, no, that that's that recreational marijuana is not consistent with um, a biblical way of uh, of living. But he does. Um, he he goes into detail on why he thinks that. Um, but I wanted to point out that that what he is dealing with is not whether or not marijuana should be legal. That's what we're talking about. The whole purpose of End It For Good is not whether or not people should be using substances or to what degree they should be using them or how they should be using them. It's whether or not criminalizing them is the right way to deal with them, whether or not they should be using them. Yeah. And, you know, that across this whole spectrum of discussion, there's a real quick leap by people who— 
either haven't considered or just dramatically opposed to the legalization thing, that you're somehow promoting drug use. Mm-hmm. They're not the same issue. I mean, nobody, right. and certainly not you, is telling anybody to go out and use drugs. These are not harmful to anybody. This is just about the approach that we have towards them. Right, right. So when, when people read an article like this, it can be easy to, to lump together whether or not we should use it and whether or not it should be legal. Right. Those are totally separate issues. Some things need to be legal, not because we need to be doing them, but just because criminalizing them is just the wrong approach. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I think is true with drugs. I, I don't never use marijuana. I don't want people using marijuana uh, except for you know medical purposes. Certainly it has um, benefits in that way. But whether or not you want people using it and whether or not it should be legal are separate separate issues. Well, in, in that too, wasn't his main point um, that the difference was because he re- he references alcohol and mm-hmm. wine and things yeah. like that. And he says that there are biblical refle- references to it gladdening men's hearts mm-hmm. and that kind of thing that, you know, the mild effects of alcohol, but that marijuana was a very quick intoxicant. I mean, that was essentially his mm-hmm. point, wasn't it? That that was the different, the defining difference between them. Yeah, there was. Yeah. I think that was, that was part of it. And, and the, um, that it, you know, it's not expl- ex- explicitly allowed in um, the Bible, and that I hear people talk a lot about the differences between alcohol and marijuana. Now, I've never used marijuana, so I'm always careful to to not say, "Well, you know, from my experience, <laughs> I don't have any experience." And I've actually, I don't drink, and even when I was trying to like alcohol, you were alcohol, so unqualified for um, <laughs> this whole this whole discussion. <laughs> even when I, even when I was still attempting to like alcohol. Um, I never was able to drink more than like a few sips of it. So I've never even had like a buzz from alcohol. I have no like personal experience. Well, it's good I'm here. I've had both. (laughs) The intoxicating (laughs) um, uh, qualities of of these drugs. But I think we have to be very careful about saying that, you know, alcohol is just not not really. I'm not saying that that's what this pastor's saying. You know, the alcohol is not really that bad, but you know, the marijuana uh, is, or they have, I mean, there's a nurse um, who told me, you know, in medical school, in our, you know, pharmacology class, marijuana is in our textbook. And the first thing it says about it is in small quantities, it sharpens mental acuity. Yeah. Before it decreases it, it sharpens it. And you know that's right there in the, the the medical textbook that our universities are are teaching doctors. So um, another article that I that I read that we'll talk about in a minute. He talks about you know marijuana immediately makes you you know unable to um, you know kind of distort your view of reality. Um, that's that's not true based on what is uh, coming to our doctors from their their textbooks. Uh, although certainly people I think who use it recreationally, I'm guessing that most of them want the intoxicating effects that don't sharpen your mental, you know, acuity. We just have to be careful because alcohol is poison. I mean, there is no sharpening of your mental acuity that happens with alcohol. It is, um, you know, even in small quantities, it is having a depressant effect. Uh, Now that feels to people as a gladdening of their heart or, you know, relaxation or whatever that might be. But um, how it feels and what it's actually doing are are different things. I just think we need to be really careful about, um, you know, saying that, that, I don't know. I just think we need to be really careful about that because, uh, alcohol is an immediate depressant. It is automatically slowing down your, your mental right. um, processes, even if the experience of that is a positive one or people like 
the experience of it. Yeah. So what do you got over there, Mike? Um, you had uh, some stuff. Well, I, I don't know which one you want to go to. Um, there was also this uh, this piece from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Uh, mm-hmm. Who would legalizing recreational marijuana hurt? Mm-hmm. Did you want to get into that? Yeah, let's talk about that one. Um, so that one was just recently published by um, the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission on their Facebook page. And they are the public policy arm of the um, uh, Southern Baptist Church, if I'm getting that correct. Um, so I want to talk about a couple of the points that the author makes on that. Who's the author on that, Mike? Dan Trippy. Okay. Um, this is very uh, kind of an ironic last name. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. <laughs> um, so his article is called, Who Would Legalizing Recreational Marijuana Hurt? Um, so he starts out with giving some of the common um, arguments for legalizing. And I wanted to, to give those because I think it's really important to see that there are people who are going to say those things. None of those are the arguments that we're making. And you don't have to believe any of those to believe that marijuana should be legalized. So some of the ones that he gives are, you know, people are going to do it anyway, so regulate it, tax it, and we'll all benefit from it. Um, Alcohol is legal, so what difference does it make, you know, if marijuana is legal? Prohibition doesn't work. We learned that lesson, you know, therefore don't prohibit marijuana. Um, The government has no business telling people what they can do and what they can't do in their private homes, so just, you know, make marijuana legal and let people live their lives. Um, There are people in America who, for whom those are the the arguments that they're going to make for this that is not to me at all any of the the main arguments for why you would legalize so any substance that's legal if you talk about alcohol you're gonna have some people that want it legal for one type of reason they like to use it and some people that think it's good to have it legal for another the same thing is true of marijuana so just because you don't think you know, that the government has no business telling people what to do with their bodies doesn't mean you still can't support legalization for another reason. So right. for me, that's not a that's not a primary reason. For me, it is a harm. I'm looking at it from a harm reduction standpoint. How can we handle a substance in a way that harms the fewest amount of people? And to me, legalization is that. Well, and a lot of these points, too, I mean— the the drug war has not worked, and so a lot of the stuff that you talk about really points out the injustice side of it and, and the fact that the drug war is just, uh, you know, all the consequences, that there are more actually victims of the drug war than there are victims of, you know, mm-hmm. a- addiction. The harms are greater yeah. through the drug war. These really uh, arguments could be made even even if the drug war was a success. Uh, that may be a little bit confusing. I subscribe to a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Number one, that the government doesn't have, you know, as a libertarian, mm-hmm. one of these wacky people that just believes we have the ability to do that. Some of these are arguments that I would make, but it's not the end. I mean, it's just one, this is just one facet of it. And the purpose of this podcast is to really point out the really the the pragmatic reasons why the drug war doesn't work and and the the kind of the unseen victims and the unseen mm-hmm. consequences that people just don't pay attention to mm-hmm. yeah and so i think for people to i want people to hear that you don't have to agree with all of the reasons that people give for legalization to be for it right you know so uh, one of the last book discussions um somebody who was there said you know all of this makes so much sense but I, I'm always hearing these arguments from people that are really liberal, and this person was not. And they said, I, I want to agree with this without being right. ag- in agreement with all the liberal right. stuff that these other people are talking about. <laughs> right. so, 
so to me, I think people need to see and 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 latch on to there you're not agreeing with every person's reason for legalizing just because you know you support it. So um, a lot of people, as they're talking about marijuana legalization, especially from a Christian perspective, are saying, you know, legalizing equals celebrating marijuana use. Right. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't. It absolutely does not. Um, there are people who are going to celebrate marijuana use. I am not one of them. Right. But I'm out here, you know, supporting legalization and trying to help other people learn about it and consider whether or not they want to as well. Because there's other reasons than wanting to use it or celebrating it for why we need it legal. Right. And, you know, people like you and like me, I mean, I've got kids that I don't want going out there and and experimenting with a ton of different drugs. If the drug war were to end tomorrow, my job to those children is to explain to them that this is harmful to you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't go, oh, it's legal now. Kids go crazy. I mean, you know, that's the thing that's um, that's a little bit lost in this. And as we say that you think if you're against the drug war that you're somehow promoting drug use. That's not that's not it at all. And I would just kind of imagine for you that uh, if the drug war ended tomorrow, your job here was done, no reason to do the podcast anymore, I would imagine you would de- dedicate some of your time to trying to help those people who've fallen into addiction right. and, yeah. and guiding them right back out of it and, and convincing people through education not to get involved in it in the first place. Yeah. So it's it's not about uh, you know celebrating a drug culture to just end the catastrophe of this drug war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the arguments that he makes in this um, article is, I'm quoting here, he says, laws also commend the type of conduct that we want to encourage. Laws curb the behaviors that we want to discourage while at the same time promote the actions that a society champions. And I'm skipping down a little bit. He says, when we consider the question of legalizing recreational marijuana, we do well to think beyond pragmatics and ask the bigger question, what vision does legalization cast for our future? Um, and with all of these articles, these are my brothers in Christ. I have I have no desire to um, you know to to stamp on people. Um, I'm I'm trying to to bring up what they're saying and then give another opinion, another view of how we might think of those things. So I think it, with this argument about that laws kind of create this, you know, how do we want people to live? We have to be really careful with that because, especially as as Christians, we would say there's all of these things that that are called sin in the Bible. Um, and if we start trying to legislate sin out of our culture, for one, all of us would be in jail because we're all right. still struggling with it. Um, but we get into this um, a, a bigger quandary of which things do we consider to be things we don't want in our culture, and ha- and are we going to criminalize all of them? So if we don't want adultery, are we going to criminalize all adultery? If we don't want pornography, are we going to criminalize everybody using it? Um, if we if we stick to uh, the principle of you know how how we want people the kind of society that we want is what the laws are helping to craft, um, we would be criminalizing everybody depending on who's in control of the laws. You know it's going to be different um, different things, but that's I think you just have to be really careful with that because um, you end up with laws criminalizing things that. Uh, criminality is the the wrong approach to that. So yeah. I, don't, I don't want people using heroin, but the the way that we can harm the fewest amount of people is to allow people to access it in very controlled ways and to take it off of the street. That's not because I want a culture. So for me, I'm also trying to, I guess, in some ways, create the kind of culture that I want, but it's a culture of life, a culture where we value people's lives um, above their behavioral choices and we say i'm not willing to let you die 
out of using street drugs just because I don't want just because I want this kind of high ideal of we we feel righteous because right. we have made it criminal, but rather we say okay. That's not going to help. It's actually going to kill people, and it is killing people right now because we've criminalized it. That's not the kind of culture I want to build. That's not the kind of legacy that I want to leave for my kids. It's a culture where we're willing to allow more people to die because we want to have this kind of just ideal that we're holding to. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's almost like, you know, talked before about, you know, drug reuse can be a mistake, and people can make bad choices to do these things. If we criminalize bad choices, <laughs> holy cow, right. we're going to have to build we're a lot trouble. of jails. <laughs> More than we already have. We already have a lot. Um, the last point that I wanted to bring out in, in this particular article is he says, this is quoting again, people who are numb tend not to notice the injustice around them. But maybe that's the point. When our heads are buried in the sand or floating in the clouds, it's easy to close our eyes to the ills of our communities. Pragmatism can have a cost. And unfortunately, the ones asked to pay the bill are the ones who can least afford it. As Christians, we should be those who think through these issues seriously with the good of our neighbors in mind and then advocate for the flourishing of our communities. In a lot of ways, I feel like I could write that same closing right. sentence Absolutely. about legalizing yeah. um, and say, how, you know, we're, we are numb currently as a culture to the injustice that's happening around us because of the drug war of all the people's lives that are being destroyed. Um, and I think that's it's that hidden cost that you were referring to earlier that I think people miss. So in so much of what's written out there against legalization, the only arguments that are taken into consideration are whatever is visibly happening um, because of legalization. There's no, there's no mention of all of the positives that are happening. You know, oh, we had, you know, our arrest rate dropped by, you know, X percent. Um, it's only, well, you know, this thing happened. Um, you know, maybe there's a slight increase in adult use or something like that. And, and we're failing to see there's actually, there's a heavy cost to, doing what we're doing currently. So there is a there's a cost trade-off when you have people when you bring it legal and you say, well, you know, this person started smoking it because it was legal now, you know, and it is negatively affecting their life. But we have to look at that in relation to all of the harms that were ended because we now allowed that person to make the choice to smoke marijuana and to you know potentially negatively affect their life there is a cost and i think that's what a a lot of us are missing is that there is a huge cost to criminalizing it so we're we're only thinking about it in terms of you know is the is the drug itself uh you know is the is the parts that are already on my mind being positively or negatively affected and we're not seeing this whole picture of the cost that is associated with our current approach versus the cost that's associated with legalizing. Well, there's, you know, he makes the point here, uh, people who are numb tend not to notice the injustice around them. Maybe that's the point when our heads are buried in the sand. You know, he talks about really the, the, the clear heads really should be the ones making the policy. Well, there's some truth to that. When I read that, I listen to, well, okay, so if you're the person with the clear head and you've got a friend or a relative or somebody who is in, in a state of addiction or they've got the, uh, you know, their, their head or, is in the clouds, they're high, you then have a choice. You can either guide them back out of that through love and compassion and wanting to help them, or you can throw them into a cage. Mm-hmm. And I mean, really, that's what the approach comes down to now. Other thing I'll say about a lot of these arguments is that what a lot of people who say, well, we can't entertain any, di- any ideas of legalization is because 
people like you and I or anybody else who understands that the drug war has failed, so we need to do something different. We can't provide where everything works out perfect. Mm -hmm. And so they point to every time, you know, uh, every statistic that might tilt in the wrong direction or or whatever. The bottom line is you're dealing with human beings here. You Mm -hmm. know, you're trying to minimize harm and trying to uh, trying to help people rather than um, destroy their lives over a decision that they've made. But there's no perfect scenario. I mean, Mm -hmm. you just can't roll anything out. You know, we just legalized in Mississippi sports betting. Mm -hmm. Now, you would think, Every street would be lined with sports bettors now because suddenly sports betting. But the, the truth is that a lot of people don't have any interest in sports. Now right. it's legal, but they may not want to go bet on sports. Same with gambling. How long have we had gambling in Mississippi? Mm-hmm. Some people have become addicted to gambling. They go to the casinos too often, and they have destroyed themselves mm-hmm. with it. Um, so legalizing gambling wasn't wasn't the panacea, but it, it's like as long as you've got human beings involved, no matter what system you have, you're going to have some tragedies. You're going to have some unfortunate things. You have it with cigarettes. You've got it with bad mm-hmm. food. You've got it with people who drive recklessly. I mean, human beings are involved. It's going to be bad. And I, I, I always kind of rebel against some of this stuff where they say, yeah, well, what you're saying, if we do it this way, this could happen. Well, they're right. I mean, there mm-hmm. is a possibility yeah. to happen because yeah. it's it's uh, human beings are involved. There's just yeah. no way to say if we do it our way, everything will be perfect. And we guarantee no failures and no tragic stories. There's right. horrible tragic stories we know right now. Um, there will always be some terrible stories. But how do you minimize overall the the bad effects of you know how you treat this? Yeah, the, the driving example that you just gave reminded me of um, – uh, email I got from a professor at one of our universities who said, this was just this week, and he said, you know, we, we, everything is a risk and reward. It's kind of a, you know, like what you're saying, there's humans involved, so there's nothing going to be perfect. Right. And we're trying to figure out what's the best way to do these things. So with driving, you know, we would have no traffic fatalities if we outlawed cars. Yeah. This is what he said. Right. <laughs> or, you know, if we decrease the speed limit on interstates to 35. We would have a lot fewer people dying, but we have we we've decided with a culture that that we are that the risk reward that we're willing to take uh, is X, you know, in Mississippi, you, know, you can drive 70 on the interstate or whatever it is, even though more people are going to die that way. That's a choice that you have if you're going to take the interstate um, with drugs. I think we're there. Like you're saying, there is this um, there's no perfect scenario so then we're left with okay what what kind of scenario do we want do we want to minimize the harm from them or do we want to maximize the harm from them currently the drug war is maximizing the harm from them in an attempt to to kind of keep this high ground ideologically um and and i think we have to look at it more realistically and say that ground hasn't worked Um, and we have tried it we have given it a good go we have spent decades and a trillion dollars on this and it hasn't worked and now we need to say, okay, that didn't work. Uh, now what could we do to actually decrease the harms of these and, and help people not have their lives destroyed by this? So. And that's where that's where I see it. It's like uh, it is very obvious. I think to the vast majority of people it's pretty obvious that the drug wars that exist right now has not worked. But then they resist any other what I guess they would consider radical ideas like legalization or treating things medically and getting rid of the uh, the criminal justice side of it. 
they resist that because they've just got, yeah, but what if this happens? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just, there's no answer to that. You just have to, you have to be willing to allow that some people are going to fall through the cracks. Some people are going to be harmed no matter what you do because they're human beings. So if they're, if they're sitting around waiting for the answer that guarantees that uh, no child will touch a drug, nobody will overdose, that there'll never be a crime, that, you know, it's, it's not there. It's not there. So we've got to deal within the imperfection of human beings and find the best path within that. Right. And we wouldn't be here if we didn't think there was massive amounts of positive impact to be had. Um, You know, if it's just like six of one, half a dozen of the other, like there's a lot, a lot of the things that are bad in the world that Mike and I could be working on (laughs) in the drug war. We're here because we think this is a huge issue that if we ended it would do an immense amount of positive good for millions of people worldwide and that's why uh, we're interested in it so yeah end it for good only exists because the movement has grown and uh, people are sharing their interest in it um, and helping to change their circles of influence Uh, so we want our listeners to consider sharing what you're learning share episodes of the podcast you don't have to be in total agreement Um, you don't have to be the expert for your facebook friends you can just say Mm. this is really interesting and something i'm learning about and you know join this conversation. So if you're enjoying these podcasts, please share them. Uh, That's how more people enter the conversation. I'm Christina Dent, your host, along with Mike Madison, my co-host and producer. And we want to save lives. We want to help people improve their lives. And we believe that is going to happen best by ending our criminal approach to drugs. So how do we end our criminal approach to drugs? By changing one mind at a time. Many people are only willing to have this conversation when they are invited to by someone they trust. That's you. Invite your friends, family, and people in your circle of influence to consider a better way. At End It For Good, our hope is that people who hear will become people who tell. Join the movement to end it for good.